Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand? Come on. Come on, Rich, you still a lot of praise. Come on, will you lift your hands to the Lord with me? All across this place, will you lift your hands? Father, we just love you, Lord, today. And we come and we come to honor you and you alone. And we pray right now that your spirit that is already in this place will begin to move. That it would touch the lives of every person here. That we would be inspired, Lord, to live our lives for you. And Father, we just pray we came this week, God, Lord, to celebrate what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. Have your way in this place tonight in Jesus name and everyone said amen come on give the Lord a big praise you're gonna have a seat with me <laughs> praise the Lord man I, re- I remember when uh, Randy and I made that hole in the sanctuary and uh, we tried to fix it and we did a terrible job we were like 16 years old and Pastor Omar is still there at the Madison building and he called us up to his office and he sat down with us and he said, what the heck were you guys thinking? Do you think our sanctuary is a playground? And Randy and I sat there just frightened that our senior pastor was reprimanding us, man. And that would not be the last time we got reprimanded. Amen. But man, I, I'm so excited to, to be here uh, with everyone and with our family and our friends and uh, man, look what the Lord's doing, man. Come on, look at, look at this. So excited. And I, I do want to just uh, honor my pastors, Pastor Omar and Pastor Letty. And uh, man, they've, they've put up with me for many, many years. And they continue to, to love me and my family uh, with just such grace. And so I'm thankful for them and them really paving the way for many of us. Amen. Thankful for them. And man, I'm, I'm thankful for that, that beautiful hot redhead up here. Where's she at? Miss Desiree. Come on. Got me all combobulated. How am I supposed to come up here and speak looking all fine up here? Amen. But uh, I'm very thankful for her, man. She's, uh, man. she's a unique individual. And when we went to Texas, man, it was like, let's do this, girl. Come on. And man, I got, and I also want to thank, man, just um, all my kids, man. I got all my, my kids with me this week, and I'm so thankful for them. Man, they love the Lord, and they're just excited for God. And uh, man, I'm I, I just thankful that they get to uh, release their dad to, to do what God's called him to do, man. But are you ready this week? I just, and I just feel the sense of anticipation in this place. And you know, as I, as I come um, every year, especially this year, uh, with the theme of our conference being the mosaic, I, I can't help but think about um, this network and the beauty of 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 what it really, how it really highlights that theme. That you have a collective group of broken individuals that have been restored and fused together to do something amazing for the Lord. And you know, I tell my kids this and, and I tell them this all the time. I'm like, listen, listen, what you, what you see now, it, it be, you see your mom and dad now, we're a little bit more put together than what we were 10, 20, 15 years ago. 
I'm like, what you don't understand is that this is a product of someone that has been restored by Jesus Christ. What you see is someone that is a miracle. And when I come into this place and I look around, I see a group of people that have been restored, that are, come on, that have been saved, that have been brought together to do something amazing for the Lord. And I love this. And I love, man, that I'm a product of the church. I love that God over the years in my life has used the church to help me be who I am today. That it was in the church I learned, come on, how to love my wife. That it was in the church that I learned how to pay my bills, come on, and act right with my money. Come on, it was in the church that I learned how to love people, man, and how to pursue the call of God on my life. I know today we can, it's very easy to look at the church, and there's a lot of narratives out there about the church. Right? They're, they're, it's very easy. It's not hard to find an opportunity to dunk on the church today. It's not hard to find a, a, an opportunity to throw darts at the church today. But I'm here to remind you today that the church, although it's not perfect, although it is broken, and it became imperfect as soon as you and I joined it. I'm here to remind you today the church ain't going nowhere. Come on. That it is the church of Jesus Christ that is the hope of the world. That it is a united church that I believe that God is calling us to present to the world. It's a unified church. When I look at the scripture and I look at John chapter 17 verse 20 through 23. And I look at the prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he was, he was crucified. And there were some of his very last words to his disciples before going to the cross. And he began to pray this prayer. And he said this, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, uh, as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In verse 22, he says this. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that, you may be, that they may be one as we are one, and I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world, say, then the world... Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Here Jesus is praying and he's asking and he's praying for, for those that the Father has given him. In his final words, he's, he's not praying for the world, although we know he loves the world. He died for the world. He's not praying for government. He's, he, he's not praying for, 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 the, for the Jewish community that's there. He is praying for his believers. His prayer is directed straight to his church. You see, Jesus understood that his church would be the hope of the world. That his church would be the most powerful thing on earth. That the most influential, 
the most countercultural and the most enduring organization that has ever existed in the history is the church of Jesus Christ. You see, the church is, is, is not a last resort. The church is the number one option. The, the, the church is, is not plan B. No, no, no. The church is plan A. That Jesus understood that the hope of the world is coming through the church despite of what culture says. Despite of what the world says. That the church is still the answer to bringing transformation to any community on the planet. Do you believe that today? He says in Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you, do you understand what, what gates are meant for? You know, gates are meant to fortify and protect and keep out. And so essentially what Jesus is saying, he's saying the, the church is to be so powerful that it will not be overcome by the gates of hell. That the church is not on the defensive. Listen to me. The church is on the offense. Come on. That, it, that the, the, not even hell is protected from the church. I'm here to tell you today that the church is here to stay. Come on. Even when all this brokenness Come on, no matter what the world, if they approve or disapprove, the church ain't going nowhere. The church will outlast the test of time. You see, we've got to understand something that, that the church, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because in the end, the church will remain. Come on. You've got to believe that today. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus reminded, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. You see, the church has been given kingdom authority. You see, the church has the ability to turn the key of heaven in people's lives and open the kingdom to them. You see, it's the church. You and I possess the key that unleashes the kingdom of God in your city, in your neighborhood, in your home, in your schools. It has been given the authority. The church is here to stay. Listen, they, they can come after my 501c3. Come on. They can come and take away our church buildings. Come on. But I tell you what, the church ain't going nowhere. The church is here to stay. You see, but here's, here's the thing is that whenever we see hell defeating the church, it's because we get caught up not building his church, but building our church. You see, the greatest threat to the church is not the liberal left. Come on, somebody. It's not postmodernism. It's not wokeness. It's not hookup culture. Come on. It's not even the devil. Come on. The greatest threat to the church comes from within, not from without. 
And tonight I want to give you a couple of practical handles that you and I need to be aware of. Because if we want to see the church in its full power, it's going to come from a not a large church, but a united church. And that if we are going to show the world what Jesus is about, that you and I need to pursue unity. And if we're not careful, there's a couple of things that I want to challenge you a little bit tonight. Come on, I know you were expecting a hype message on night one, but we're going to get it real so you can, you can get right and receive the rest of the week, all right? Come on. Because if we're not careful, there's a couple of things that will disrupt unity in the church. And one of those things is comparison. Come on, say comparison. Come on, I know you walked in and you're already looking at everybody's shoes like I was. Come on. I was like, uh, who got it going on this week? Okay. I see some ones over there, right? But the reality of it is, is that you cannot fully follow Jesus if you're always comparing yourself to others. You see, it's, it's very... It's very hard to focus on your purpose while looking at other people's. You see, and the problem with comparison is that you begin to desire everything that somebody else has. You begin to desire their talent, their gift, their church, come on, their position, come on, their family, their kid, their wife, come on. If you're not careful, we allow comparison to come in. And what it does, whenever we compare, is we allow a spirit of division to enter the body of Christ. And then what happens is this, is we find ourselves frustrated with God. Come on. We find ourselves frustrated with our spouse. Frustrated with our church. Frustrated with our ministry. You get frustrated, you're ready to quit because you've been caught up comparing yourself to others. Can I, can I just say, we, we, have, we have a problem sometimes with, I, I think, I think uh, social media has made this a very large problem for us. I love social media. We use it as a platform. But can I tell you this? Have you ever gone on social media and you left more miserable than when you first went on? <laughs> Are they on vacation again? Oh, look at them. Pastor Eddie be taking like 10 vacations a year. I'm like, man. His toes all at the pool. I'm like, look at him. Ah. I do be hated. I do. Lord, help me with compare. <laughs> That's called blessed and highly favored. Come on. Right? But, but the problem, the problem with comparison is is that we, we, we find ourselves frustrated because we have yet to learn the art of being content. You know, contentment in life is, is simply accepting who God wants you to be, not who you wish you were. That's contentment. Contentment, listen, contentment is learning to maximize what God has given you. You see, and we haven't learned contentment. And so because of that is that God does not multiply what we do not maximize. We fail to maximize what he's given us. And so because of that, we don't see multiplication. You know, I remember when I was there in Paramount as a disciple. And before me, Pastor Eddie had gone out to Pioneer. 
And then after him, Pastor Mondo went out, Pioneer, we're celebrating. And then I remember a couple years later, I'm like, okay, it's my turn. Let's do this. And I remember going to Pastor Omar, and I'm like, Pastor Omar, check it out. I think, I'm, I think we're ready. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> you, you have not maximized all that God wants to do with you here. He didn't say it. He didn't say it like that, but that's how I took it, reflecting back. You see, if we're not careful while your eyes are fixed on the big things that God is doing in someone else's life, you're failing to be faithful Come on, with the small tasks that are in front of you. You're failing to maximize the tasks that God has given you right where you're at. Stop asking your pastor for more expression when you can't even get to church on time. I pastor, we're ready to lead. No, you're not. You come to church twice a month. No, I'm sorry. Be a follower. Show up early. Come on, stay late. Come on. Learn, learn to follow before you can lead. I see, I see the service schedule. You blocked out every Sunday in the month. Come on. Reclaim church watching right now? Come on, amen. <laughs> Apply yourself to the small things. And watch as God will multiply it into bigger things. Don't, don't get so caught up in watching other people's success. Can I tell you, most of the time it's a lie. Come on, I tell our team all the time, don't you dare be posting pictures of empty chairs. Y'all better get the right angle. Come on, y'all better figure this out. Who posted that? Take that down. Get a closer shot, it shows more people. It's all a lie, come on. Right? Galatians 6, 4 says this, let, let everyone be sure to do his very best for then he will have the personal satisfaction of work done well and won't need to compare himself with someone else. The only thing you should be comparing is your hustle. It's the only thing you should be comparing. You don't, you don't know the sacrifice that people made for the success that you see. I say it all the time. You didn't see the seed that had to die for that harvest. So don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself to other people's ministry, other people's church. You don't know what they're going through. That pastor's hanging on for dear life. I don't want that. Amen. You see, when you strive to be the person God made you to be, it is then that you begin to find real meaning, real purpose, fulfillment, and satisfaction. You see, and every time we, we compare ourselves to one another, we're not living out Jesus' prayer. This prayer for unity. Every time we compare and we allow that spirit to come in, it brings division and not unity. And if we don't overcome comparison, 
We'll invite the second obstacle to our unity, which is competition. You know, I, I, I'm as competitive as the next person. Come on. Like, my, my kids are competitive. Like, they fight over everything. I'm like, where'd you guys learn that from? Amen. You know, my wife and I, <laughs> my wife and I, uh, a while back, joined a kickboxing gym. Come on. Kicks back there. <laughs> and, and, you know, every morning I would, I would go in there. There would always be this, this lady that was in there going hard, man. Oh, man. It was a small gym, so there wasn't a lot of people. It was like me and her sometimes in the morning with the instructor. And there'd be times this lady was going ham on the kicking bag, I'm telling you. And she would go hard, and I'd go in there, and I'm like, man, why are you going so hard? Relax. Pace yourself, girl. And they would, they would keep track of some of your intervals and, and kind of give you a max score and, and rate you and stuff. And I could never beat her. <laughs> this 65-year-old lady used to kick my buddy, man. <laughs> I could never beat her. And I, I thought to myself, like, man, she probably don't even know I exist. She's going in there hard. She's, and I'm in there trying to stay with her, killing myself. Can, can, I, can I tell you something? Half of the people you're competing with are not competing with you. Like, like this, this is why you get burnt out because you're trying to compete with people that are so far ahead of you. And, and you fail time and time again and you, you're left frustrated because you're trying to compete with people that are way ahead of you. Come on, you need to begin to compete with yourself. And every time we, we compete with someone that's further along than us, it leaves us in constant disappointment. And then what we do, we, we switch it up to make ourselves feel better is we lower our standards and start competing against people that are behind us. And, and, and then we start feeling good about, about how we've lowered our standards. And it's easy. We, 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 we go back and forth, back and forth from either disappointment or pride. Disappointment or pride, neither of which is who God has called you to be. God wants you to live out your calling. Be authentic. You know, authenticity comes from identity. When, when you know who you are, you're able to live that out. You're able to be you. But see, the problem is some of you, you don't even know who God's called you to be. And so you're, you're so busy competing with other people that don't even know you exist. You're constantly chasing after people. Listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with being challenged. There's nothing wrong with getting ideas and, and being motivated. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is that when you try to measure up yourself and, and your fruit with other people's fruit, it leaves you disappointed. Leaves you disappointed. You see, maybe you're here tonight and you find yourself always competing. You find yourself in a state of jealousy. You know, that's why competition can become unhealthy in the body of Christ. Because it, it, it can very easily place wedges and it can divide us. 
Can I, can I tell you something? If you're battling with jealousy, man, the Bible says that, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know what you need to do? You need to start getting your words out in front of you. You need to start complimenting people. Come on. You need to start telling people how good they look, how good they are. Girl, your hair look good today. You may not feel it, but I'm telling you, when you get your words out, your heart will follow. Come on, hit the like button every now and then. Stop swiping. Come on. Repost it every now and then. Come on. You see, this is the Lord's prayer that they may be one as we are one. He prayed for a spirit of unity. Man, I love it. I, I, I think for us, we, we need to realize, man, that sometimes we get caught up in this competitive nature with, with other believers. And the problem is, is co- competition is not wrong. You just, you just have to know who your opponent is. You, you, you're, you're, you're battling against the wrong person. You're, you're competing, come on, against your team. Man, you know, I love, I love, I love when they say, man, you guys are tearing it up out there in Texas. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I'm like, man, you see Pastor Rudy? Man, he killing. You see, that, they just giving that boy buildings out there. Come on. That boy ripping it in San Antonio. Uh, Pastor Mike and Huddle, that boy, he's taking over the, he's taking all of Williamson County over there. Don't even, Leander, wait till Leander gets popping. We gonna be killing it out there. Why? Why? Because their victory is my victory. My victory is their victory. Come on. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Come on. You got to know who your opponent is. It ain't the church. It ain't the church down the street. It ain't the other pastor. Come on. You are, you are together. We're on the same side. You see, when you know who your opponent is, man, you're able, man, to stay focused on who God has called you to be and you to do. You see, what happens when we don't implement Jesus' prayer and fight for unity, we end up comparing, we end up competing against each other. And you see it time and time again, man, the body of Christ, man, sometimes it can eat its own. Come on. You see it. We see that the competition and it gets ugly. And it brings a disunity in the body. Man, I, I wonder at times how how the church, man, can sometimes just change the narrative, man. And the church, and I love that intro video, man. The church today, we see how did the church become so splintered and fractured. And I wonder if it started with, with, with people comparing themselves to one another. And I wonder if it ended with them competing against one another. And I'll tell you what, the narrative, Jesus here, he's saying, listen, the narrative matters. It matters what the world sees. What does the world see? Does it see a church that's always eating its own, that's always coming against each other, that's always throwing other ministries under the bus? Come on, the world don't want nothing to do with that. They see enough division in the world. 
Come on, they see enough competition in comparing in the world. They should not see that from the body of Christ. See, Jesus understood this. He understood that the hope of the world would be his church, but that the church needed to be a united one. And when the world would see that, man, I wonder, I wonder, man, what the world would say when they see churches supporting other churches. When they see ministries supporting other ministries. They see Christians uplifting one another, not tearing each other down. Listen, we, we should call out sin in the church, yes. Come on, we, we should call out toxic leadership, yes. Come on, but we got to be cautious that we're not always looking for an opportunity to slander the church because the church is the hope of the world. See, if we're not cautious, we go from comparing to competing, and ultimately we land at criticism. You see, some of you walked in tonight with a critical spirit. You compared long enough. You tried competing with others. And now you've settled at criticism. We're back at this hotel again? I miss the Carson Center. You're the only one thinking that. Tell me. Trust me. That worship team. They're giving a report. Pastors get to sit up front. Yeah, that's because they got to pastor people like you. Come on, this is their reward. I love preaching here. I got to say whatever I want. Come on, y'all going to love me. Amen. All right, if you're not, if you're not careful, you, you land at, at criticism. Always criticizing other people in your church. Can't celebrate nobody. Man, that, that's got to shift in our, in our church, man. We, we've got to learn to honor up, honor, honor down, and honor all around. That, that's got to change. Come on. You've you, you, you got to learn how to celebrate the success of other people around you. You've got to learn to celebrate those, come on, that God is pouring favor on, on their life. Don't find yourself stuck, man. I'll tell you what, a critical spirit will leave you isolated because you begin to push people away. A critical spirit will leave you frustrated, isolated. Come on, not living out the calling of God on your life. A critical spirit will leave you in a place of despair and bitterness. Man, I wonder if maybe you came in here tonight and you've just, you've got a critical spirit all over you. And you came in criticizing every single thing. Like, my goodness, do you not see what you are a part of here and now? Do you not see the move of God that you just stepped into? My goodness, like, revival could be breaking out. People getting saved in your church. Come on, people showing up. And you're mad because you got to watch more kids. Come on. Pastor, we, get, we should tell people to stop coming. We, we don't have no more parking. I, 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 love, I love when you look at the Gospels and Jesus, he, he went around and he, he healed a crippled man. He was crippled for 38 years. Crippled. Jesus goes, 
cut up, walk, you're healed. And then, and then here comes the Sabbath police. Hold on, it's, on, it's Sunday, Jesus. You shouldn't be doing that today. How, how many Christians are stuck in a, in a place of criticism? You know, you know what's funny? Is that sometimes the people that criticize the most are the ones that actually do the least. Can I get a pastor to hear amen up in here? You're sitting back criticizing. Can I tell you, will you just get involved and do something? You criticize them about the worship. You criticize them about the lights, about the AC. Well, that's not my church. But you criticize it about all kinds of things. Will you just get involved and do something for the Lord? You go from comparison to competing. And when you can't compete, you start criticizing. Slandering pastors. Slandering other leaders. Slandering other churches. Come on. It's a critical spirit that brings division. It's so harmful for the body of Christ. Leaves you frustrated. Leaves you mad at the church. Mad at the pastor. Mad at God. Man, we get divided over some dumb stuff. Some dumb stuff. Are you post-trib? Post or pre? I'm like, really? You gonna leave the church because I lean one way? Like we, we get divided over dumb things. And every time we allow a critical spirit to creep in, we're not living out the prayer of Jesus that they may be one as we are one. Listen, we have enough criticism from the world. We don't need to keep shooting shots at each other. Come on, that, that, we don't need friendly fire. Come on. You see, unity does not mean uniformity. Does not mean same. Does not mean that we all have to have the same name or our churches have to look the same. Or the people we're reaching are the same. That's not, that's not what unity means. Unity, what unity means is that when push comes to shove, come on, that you and I will back each other up and that we're on the same mission. You see, unity reminds us that we share a common identity. We have all experienced salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit among any congregation or in any believer itself that is the unifying force that binds us in his glory. You see, our mission is to see the gospel spread throughout the world, unites us despite our differences. You see, a church that is united, a church that's united, it gives everyone in it more power and courage than a divided church. In Acts chapter 4, when the Sanhedrin was attempting to shut down Peter and John from preaching the resurrection of Jesus, because it contradicted their agenda, and it flipped their narrative, and they tried to bully them and threaten them. And I love it. I love it. I love that Peter and John, they said, 
they said, well, listen, if we have to choose between listening to you or to God, we choose God. And when they released them, the Bible says that in Acts chapter 4, that the community of believers, they, they came together and in one accord, they began to lift up their voice and shout and praise the Lord. And in verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed that the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, unity allows you and I to become a bold people, to live out in boldness, to not be shaken by the agenda of the world. Not being shaken by the threats, come on. But that we can stand to proclaim the gospel because we know that we're not alone, that we're a part of something so much bigger. A unified church, it becomes a bold church. Overcome the temptation of comparison. Overcome the, the temptation of competition and leave the place of criticism. Man, because what's knocking at the gates of hell is not a big church. It's a united one. It's a united one. It's a united church that comes together, that uplifts one another, that's out to see the good in others your win is my win I love it I, I love I love the privilege of being a part of of a network like this why because man I get to see the victories happening in other places and I gotta say man I'm with them I'm with them but I tell you what it's so easy it's so easy to fall into those traps of comparison, competition, and criticism. I don't know about you, but, but man, it's so easy to fall into those. And when we do, we bring division in the body of Christ. My prayer is this. That you recognize that you have a place in the body of Christ. That you don't, you don't have to be somebody else. You get to be who God has called you to be. You, you get to live out who God has destined you to be. Don't worry about what God's doing over there. Celebrate the big thing that God's doing in your life. You, you, you're so busy, focused, and, and looking elsewhere. You're missing all that God's doing right in front of you. You're missing the people you're impacting. You're missing the people that show up every Sunday to hear you speak. You're missing the, the people that show up to your home on a Friday night to fellowship with you at a connect group. You get so focused about everybody else that you miss out on what God is doing in your life. And that's my prayer tonight. Will you stand on your feet with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Father, we thank you. Thank you. We love you, Lord. You're here tonight. You're here tonight. And maybe you walked into this place. Listen, I, I know this, this, is, this is a difficult call, and I've battled with this. Because I'm like, God, man, this isn't, this isn't a normal altar call for people to give their lives to the call of God. This is a, this is a get right altar call. You see, I believe that revival starts when Christians are okay with getting right. Revival starts when Christians can say, you know what? I need to get right in this area of my life. And you're here tonight. And we're not going to waste no time. You're here tonight. And, and you need God to help you overcome the temptation of comparison the temptation of competition maybe you're here tonight you need God to free you and help you get out of place of criticism because you can't see all that God is doing in your life because you've settled in a place of criticism I want to pray tonight I want you to get out of your seat come find a place come find a place and say get right tonight don't wait don't wait say that tonight I'm gonna get right I'm going to get right. I'm going to get right tonight so that I can receive the rest of the week. Father, here right now, you've called me to be a part of a united church. God, help me to find my role. Some of you, you're here and you're burnt out. You're burnt out because you've been, you're so frustrated, constantly comparing yourself. And you're competing against people that you got no business competing about. And you're burnt out and you're frustrated. You need to come and give that to the Lord and say, God, I need to give this to you. God, I thought about quitting. I thought about, I thought about giving up. Come on, that's you. I thought about giving up. God, help me to see my identity. Help me to find my place. Help me to see who you've called me to be. Father, here and now. Come on. Come on. Leave it at the altar. Come on. Get it right tonight. Oh, Father, here and now. Here and now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Right here, right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.